2: It's a day of reckoning in Georgia.
1: What a great night to be a Georgian, everybody.
2: Welcome to Political Georgia from the Atlanta Journal Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on the ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the very tired political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. A reminder if you're listening to us for the first time, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get. Your podcast and Patricia. I am still here at Governor Brian Kemp's election primary night victory party at the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. And I know you just got back from David Perdue's election non victory party out in uh, Atlanta suburbs. It's been a very long night, but we're going to be here to bring you the headlines.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Brian Kemp had a very different event than David Perdue from top to bottom. David Purdue was out in a kind of a sad Sheraton on the perimeter <laughs> instead of the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, it was a very small room It was about the size of maybe a large kitchen, maybe, maybe a large, maybe a classroom. Um, Not a huge event facility. I think they understood the direction this was going in. Um, But it was an early night. And I think it was even much earlier than a number of Purdue supporters expected. And I think they expected more of a fight because they still have a lot of fight left in them. So we can talk about that.
2: Well, Brian Kemp supporters expect an early night as well, but they expect an early night to go their way and they got it. I mean, there was very, there was no hint of any uncertainty, anything like that from any of governor Kemp's allies throughout the day. Uh, David produce top advisors. I don't know if they did this with you, but they stopped kind of uh, pushing their, uh, their narrative on me. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, that to me was a signal that they just realized that this thing was, the, the, the this goose was cooked. Um, and it was a, a thorough, Demolition. I mean, Brian Kemp has about three quarters of the vote. And as we are taping this, he has more votes than Herschel Walker. Who would have thought that?
3: Absolutely. When people were asking us for our predictions, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I, you know, I just kept saying, listen, we don't know what's going to happen because politics in the state are just so incredibly unpredictable. We knew the trend line for Brian Kemp. We knew that he was starting to expand his lead. But if you had told me, If you had told me before I saw the numbers that he was going to have more votes than Herschel Walker, I never would have believed that because these two gentlemen have had the most diametrically opposite primary races of anybody you can imagine. Um, One had a number of... uh, Uh, debates. Herschel Walker did no debates. Brian Kemp had a huge primary challenge and a massive attack machine coming at him from uh, Donald Trump. Herschel Walker had none of that. And yet, here is Brian Kemp coming out of this primary, almost stronger than he started. I mean, to me, it's just a real feat. I actually have written... A column a column that I've written um, coming out of the election is looking at this new path that Brian Brian, uh, Kemp seems to be forging for other Republicans, how to be a conservative, how to also win over Trump supporters, even when you are not 100 percent aligned with Donald Trump. We have not really seen a Republican do that successfully in America quite yet. And so he he could be the first of his breed and and, uh, putting together a blueprint in the process.
2: And look, there's an argument to be made that this made Brian Kemp a stronger candidate, right? And this was not some squeaky, you know, speak through victory. This was a a thorough mandate, and to many voters, in contrast with David Perdue's far right plunge, and and we can talk a little bit more about that because in the final days of his campaign, David Perdue really shattered any sort of image of him as a um, as as a Mainstream corporate executive, you know the the high principled candidate he had been in 2014 to many to many Republican voters. Instead, in his final hours, he spars with reporters. He says the polls that showed him trailing Kemp by 30 points were full of crap. He says he suggests that he wouldn't accept the, the election results, and he makes a racist comment about Stacey Abrams. These all happened in the final hours of David Perdue's campaign. We did hear a different version of David Perdue when he conceded to Governor Kemp. Let's listen to that audio.
4: Here's the bottom line. We trust the people of Georgia, and we did it knowing that we were going up against an incumbent governor. And uh, you know, everything I said about uh, Brian Kemp was true, but here's the other thing I said was true. He has a much better choice than Stacey Abrams. And so we are going to get behind our governor, Bonnie, I committed to him right now what Jack Kingston committed to me back in 2014, and that there's nothing they can ask me to do that I won't do. We're going to do everything we can to make damn sure Stacey Abrams doesn't take over the state and let the woke mob take over our beloved children and grandchildren. So I want you to know tonight that I am fully supporting Brian Kemp and his run to beat Stacey Abrams. He's a fellow Republican, and I'm going to tell you the failed Democrat platform right now is so obvious on the federal level, we don't want it to come to Georgia. And this is what I'm telling you tonight. It's emotional for all of us. We're disappointed, I get that. Let's take a few hours, lick our wounds, and tomorrow morning, you're gonna hear me going to work for Brian Kemp to make damn sure that Stacey Abrams is never Governor Georgian. And Patricia, let's listen to Governor
2: Kemp's message because he also talked about what a tough fight ahead it is for Republicans to defeat Stacey Abrams.
1: But I wanna warn everyone here tonight, make no mistake, this road will not be easy. The other side, as we know, is going to have the media. They're going to have the money. They're going to have every left-wing politician in the country coming down here to tell you who your next governor should be. The pundits have already started doubting us. They say Stacy's too tough to beat for the second time, I might add. But you all know one thing. You know that they have underestimated Team Kemp before. And that's why we gotta have everyone here tonight and our friends and followers all over this state to be in the fight with us over the next five and a half months.
2: Patricia, if there's a central message to Governor Kemp's campaign, you know, he had a very long campaign speech he- he went through pretty much every single major legislative uh, agenda item that he signed into law. But if there's a central message, it was that, hey, I've beaten Stacey Abrams before and I can do it again.
3: Yeah. I want to um, really quickly go back to David Perdue's speech because I don't want to the moment to pass uh, before noting it, um, that he was very gracious in defeat and he was really the David Perdue, it almost just felt like a flashback to the David Perdue that we all kind of were used to seeing um, uh, six years ago and then throughout his time in the Senate. It, he was kind of back to being that CEO, um, very high level senator, uh, said, immediately came out and said, uh, I have I have called Governor Kemp, I've congratulated him. And you could just tell his supporters saying, What what are you talking about? Um, Because this was a campaign fueled by grievance, fueled by doubts about the election, fueled by anger, and and this was David Perdue turning the page on all of that. And um, even though Perdue uh, was very quick to concede and be gracious, his supporters in that room really did not feel the same way. But it is so important that Perdue conceded quickly, and Perdue did not say a peep, not a whiff of suspicion about the election results. He didn't go there at all. And I think that's hugely important in this Republican Party. If he had raised any kind of um, red flags, if he had said, well, I'm not so sure about this, you know, it's been rigged from the start, that would have just continued this um, this just campaign of Um, internal destruction. And it is the first step um, and a really important step for Purdue to take um, to start to heal all of these wins for November. It's very possible Kemp still doesn't get a lot of those hardcore Trump supporters, because I talked to a number in the room who said, I actually don't think this election was fair either. I'm like, what are you talking (laughs) about? Um, There was 73. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. Somewhere in the 50 percent uh, victory margin was something something fishy. Um, but it was really important for Purdue to do that. You know he, his followers may not go where he's trying to lead them, but after this entire year and a half of Trump doing the exact opposite for Purdue to uh, just take a quick defeat and get off the stage was a big deal.
2: This is politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And we're back to the Political Georgia podcast from the AJC. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. And we are two of the three political insiders at the AJC. We think the Morning Jolt newsletter sets the stakes in the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community now by going to subscribe at slash podcasts. You can hear also in the background, if if maybe if you're a sharp listener, that I'm still at Governor Kemp's uh, election night party and there are some rabble-rousers here who are are drinking heavily and enjoying the night. It sounds like
3: they're running plays back there. Are they throwing a football? Oh, man. Uh, Basically, we
2: are at the College Football Hall of Fame, so they might as well be uh, spiking uh, because they deserve it because it is such a big victory. I mean, this was not some uh, squeaker. But there is another race that I think shocked everyone. And as of this moment, this could change, but as of this moment, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger is above the 50 percent mark he needs to avoid a runoff against another Trump-backed challenger, Jody Heist, the congressman. If this holds and if Brad Raffensberger avoids a runoff and wins the Republican nomination outright, it's the biggest upset in Georgia this election cycle. I'll, I'll share a text I got from a, a, um, a veteran Republican operative. If Brad Raffensperger wins, it might be the greatest comeback I've ever seen. His hard numbers with for re-election with Republicans just a year ago was in the teens. Yes. Uh, Brad Raffensperger, of course, was uh, the Secretary of State on the receiving end of that infamous Donald Trump phone call to find enough um, uh, votes to overturn his election defeat. When he refused the former president, he became a pariah. To many of his loyalists, but even before that, he had really uh, peeved a lot of senior Republicans with his handling of the coronavirus pandemic and his decision to send absentee ballot applications request forms to millions of Georgia voters, which broadly expanded the uh, the electorate in the 2020 campaigns. But Patricia, you know, seeing him at the 50 percent ish mark, even if he gets forced into runoff. Just the fact that he's in the conversation is a victory, but now we're looking at a possibility that he wins this outright, and we can't ignore the fact that a significant number of Democrats crossed over and voted, and it didn't really help Kemp, right? He was going to win no matter what. It didn't help Herschel Walker, but it could be one of the determining factors for Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger.
3: Absolutely. I think it is currently a determining factor. It looks like this could be providing the margin um, at the very least to keep him over the 50 percent threshold if that's where he ends up being. And talk about a shock. I saw that poll um, at the beginning of uh, last year. He was at 14 percent. And this is why no Republican would get within 100 feet of poor Brad Raffensperger. Um, and he had a lot of really high-profile clashes with the GOP leadership. So the Georgia legislature went in and basically rewrote his job description because they were so angry with him over his conduct during the pandemic. Now, when I say conduct, it was not anything um, untoward. However, he took a number of steps independently to push um, absentee ballot applications out to all Georgia voters, um, moving the date of the elections around, changing a number of requirements um, to to be voting in Georgia during that pandemic, uh, expanding drop boxes, creating drop boxes, Um, taking a lot of outside money from foundations, including the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation. Um, He didn't, but a number of uh, counties did. Um, All of those just put him on the absolute hit list for his fellow Republicans. And then for him to be doing this well in a Republican primary shows that voters have a different set of priorities than GOP lawmakers and uh, Donald Trump, quite frankly. And so this to me is... The fissure between Republican voters and Donald Trump, this the only thing that this race was about for many voters was about the 2020 election. And that ended up cutting both ways. I think that by focusing so much on 2020 from Donald Trump, that only highlighted Brad Raffensberger's role in in refusing to entertain Trump's um, efforts to overturn the Georgia elections. And a lot of Georgians appreciated that because Donald Trump lost Georgia. So everybody who cast a vote against Donald Trump felt like Brad Raffensperger stood up for their vote and protected their vote. And so I think this race, um, if it ends up, if he ends up winning without a runoff, you know, to your point, even if he doesn't, if he's still up here, flirting with 50%. That is just a turnaround of epic proportions because he has um, increased his approval among voters by an order of magnitude. Um, a good piece of that was because he also ran a very shrewd campaign, um, had a chance to look at a number of the mailers that he's been sending out to GOP voters, um, both attack ads on uh, Jody Heiss saying zero. Guess what? That's the number of uh, bills related to election integrity that Jody Heiss ever introduced in his entire time in Congress. Um, and that's accurate. So Jody Heiss, as upset as he's been lately, sure didn't do a lot before the mm-hmm. election. Um, and then also Brad Raffensperger. And these are f- multiple four-piece glossy mailers. There's a lot of money being spent. Um, also, the uh, you know, a lot of Very positive uh, bio pieces from Raffensperger as well as a piece um, talking about his efforts to make sure that non-citizens cannot vote in Georgia elections. Non-citizens already cannot vote in Georgia elections, but he wanted to see an additional uh, piece of statute in there to prevent that. Um, So he's run quite a shrewd campaign really um, under the radar because everybody was so focused on for example Herschel Walker just the the sheer celebrity of that situation yeah. so it's been fascinating
2: and on that topic uh, we should mention that Donald Trump did not some victories I mean Herschel Walker won the nomination but Herschel Walker might be the only candidate who doesn't who didn't need Donald Trump's endorsement or anyone's endorsement
1: I'm not in it for fame
5: I got there I don't know.
1: for glory. I got that, too. And not for power. My power comes from the Holy God.
2: Let's listen to Donald Trump call in to congratulate Herschel Walker.
1: Hello, everybody. Very proud of you, Herschel. Hello, Mr. President. I'm very proud of you, Herschel. It's an incredible thing. What a a long distance you've come, right? What a long distance. So, and i'll only be more proud of you after november <laughs> yes. uh...
2: we haven't heard his his comments about brian kemp's primary victory yet uh... we might hear those in the next couple days but it's clearly you know that that's the former president congratulating Herschel walker for his victory um, there's also a number of congressional candidates who are in safe districts who donald trump endorsed burt jones is either in line for a runoff or an outright victory at this moment. He was endorsed by Donald Trump. But other Donald Trump contenders, Patrick Witt, went down in flames, insurance commissioner. John Gordon just gets demolished in the attorney general's race. You know, and as we already mentioned, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger looking like he could notch an outright victory over Jody Heiss. Not a great night for the Donald Trump slate. It looks like Georgia is the place where the Trump revenge tour gets derailed.
3: Absolutely. It really gives another meaning, an updated meaning to the term lost cause. You just think of all these people running around the state um, and uh, making this entire case based on um, continuing disproven accusations about the 2020 elections. And Republican voters have rejected that. Outright. That is all that those races were about. And Republican voters, just not interested.
2: You know, Patricia, I caught up with Attorney General Chris Carr, who won his primary in that blowout. The first question I asked him is, what does this say, what does his victory say about the state of the Republican Party that he and Kemp both got about three quarters of the vote against Donald Trump-backed candidates?
5: Well, I, t- I think we've got a good story to tell. And I think when you look at... What we've done for the past now almost six years, you know, protecting lives, livelihoods, and liberty, I think it really resonated with people. And it hasn't been an easy couple of years for the country, it hasn't been an easy couple of years for the party, but at the end of the day, people want you to do the job that you were elected to do. I think that's exactly what we did.
2: What is Trump? You still need the quarter or so voters who backed your opponent. Um, Brian Kemp still needs the quarter or so of opponents who back to his opponent. still need to unite the, the Republican Party. you feel like you can do that? You feel like Republicans have a mandate with such
5: big victories. We, do, we have to move forward. There's too much at stake in November. And if we don't come together, then you're going to have Stacey Abrams as governor. You're going to have whoever my opponent ends up being as the Attorney general. And look, there's gonna be a difference as it relates to fa- uh, issues of uh, public safety and crime. Uh, free enterprise and uh, economic development and the rule of law. And if we don't come together, it's going to go in the other direction, and uh, it's not going to be good for the state. The governor kind of alluded to this, and I'll say it again. We won't be the number one state in the nation in which to do business if the other side wins. Do you expect President Trump to get involved in this next phase? I I don't know. All I'm going to be focused on is trying to unite the Georgia Republican Party. Again, we've got a great story to tell. It's been a tough couple years, but we tried to focus on keeping people healthy, keeping the economy going, keep, keeping people safe. And I think that message really resonated tonight across the board.
3: And what did he miss in choosing candidates like your opponent who clearly lost
5: by a lot? I wouldn't want to speculate on what he did. What, what I think you've seen in Georgia, though, is you had a bunch of, of elected officials that really did the job the way that they were elected to do. Again, I focused on keeping people he- safe. Uh, keeping the economy healthy as the former Commissioner of Economic Development. We've had so many people that have moved to this state because of a good economic opportunity. And again, the rule of law matters, and I think that that uh, people, that that message really resonated with folks. We now move on to a general election phase against Jen Jordan,
2: um, a state senator who, among other things, is known for her uh, passionate stand uh, against abortion restrictions. How do you feel like the um, impending Supreme Court decision over Roe v. Wade
5: affects this race? I I think we're going to have to see, but I think at the end of the day you're going to see stark differences, if she ends up being the nominee, stark differences between her approach to crime and my approach to crime, her approach to economic development and mine, and her approach to the rule of law. There's a lot of things she said that she'd file lawsuits rather than doing the job of the attorney general. So I think you're going to see a lot of differences between the two of us, and I look forward to to that opportunity to 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 explain that to the people of Georgia.
2: Well, Patricia, we also have to move forward because we're literally about to get kicked out of the College Football Hall of Fame. There are workers all around us packing up our table as we sit here. But we will continue to move forward on this podcast and bring you all the new episodes that you need to get your daily and weekly fixes of Georgia politics. We have new episodes out every Wednesday, Friday, or really whenever news breaks We will see you then on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: I'm Ernie Suggs,
4: race
5: and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: And I'm Ned Ravone, Mm -hmm. lifestyle columnist. Atlanta
3: has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
5: It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something
3: new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people
4: might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities, Atlanta's thriving arts
0: scene, and the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at
5: www.ajc.com slash unapologetically
0: ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.